Good Friday afternoon, everyone. How's it going? I hope you're doing well today. So I have not been able to do this podcast in the mornings for the past few days now, but uh, I just got a text from someone saying, hey, what's going on? So I thought, you know what? I have some time this afternoon, about 30-minute break here. So I'm going to go ahead and spend some time here in the Pilgrim's Progress. So I'm really excited to get back into this after a couple of days of, about a day, not being in this. But where we last left off was with Pilgrim and Hopeful leaving the shepherds of Delectable Mountains. And in this book, we're starting chapter 17. Now, most books, uh, most Pilgrim's Progress books are actually separated into stages. And I actually had looked up the digital copy that I have on my phone is has been done that way where it's broken up into stages. And the ninth stage is where we're beginning. So we just finished the eighth stage. There's ten stages total. And we're entering into the ninth stage. And uh, I just want to make want to make sure I'm speaking right when I say that. There's ten stages total in the first uh, part of Pilgrim's Progress. So entering into that ninth stage, and if you have a chaptered book, we're entering into chapter 17. It says, And I slept and dreamed again, and saw the same two pilgrims going down the mountains along the highway towards the city. Now a little below these mountains, on the left hand, lieth the country of conceit, from which country there comes into the way in which the pilgrims walked a little crooked lane. We have a note here from the author. He says, This country we are all born in, being all ignorant by nature. Some live long in the country of conceit, and others end their days in it. Are you come out of it? So was ignorance. But he breathed his native air. So as long as any sinner thinks he can do anything towards making himself righteous before God, his name is ignorance, and he is full of self-conceit and destitute of the faith of Christ. So ignorance was a, was a man that uh, we meet here in this chapter. So this is just a note from the author who's directing the question to his readers, are you come out of this country of conceit? Or are you like this man we're about to meet named Ignorance, who's full of self-conceit and destitute of the faith of Christ? So here, therefore, they met with a, very br- with a very brisk lad that came out of that country, and his name was Ignorance. So Christian asked him from what part he came, and whither he was going. Ignorance replies and says, Sir, I was born in the country that lieth off there, and a little to the left hand, and I am going to the celestial city. But how, do you think to get in at the- but how did you think to get in at the gate? For you may find some difficulty there. As other good people do, said he. But what have you to show at the gate that the gate should be open to you? I know my Lord's will and have been a good liver, says ignorance. Uh, I pay every man his own. I pray, I fast, I pay tithes, I give alms, and have left my country for whither I'm going. We have a note here from the author who says, Now, is it not very common to hear professors talk at this rate? Yes, and many who make a very high profession too. And their hopes... 
are plainly grounded upon what they are in themselves and how they differ from the former selves and other sinners instead of what Christ is to us and what we are in Christ. Well, but the profession of such is begun with an ignorant, whole, self-righteous heart. It is continued in pride, self-seeking, and self-exalting, and ends in awful disappointment. Such are called by our Lord thieves and robbers. They rob him of the glory of his grace and the gift of his imputed righteousness. Mm. So this this is a uh, not uncommon for a man to be in the state that ignorant uh, Mr. Ignorance is in, where he says, "Yeah, I've left. I've left all the things behind. I do. I live a good life. I give to the poor. I tithe." I do all these good things. And what makes him different is his good works, not who he is in Christ. And Christian says, But thou camest not in at the wicked gate that is at the head of this way. And just to make a note, the wicked gate is, is Christ. He says, so You didn't come in through Christ that is at the head of this way. Thou camest in hither through that same crooked lane. And therefore I fear, however thou mayest think of thyself, when the reckoning day shall come, Thou wilt have laid to thy charge that thou art a thief and a robber instead of getting admittance into the city. So we have a hard admonition here from Christian. He says, you, you don't sound like you came in through the gate, and I'm afraid that on the day of judgment you, you're going to be charged as a robber and a thief. Ignorance replies and says, Gentlemen, ye be utter strangers to me. I know you not. Be content to follow the religion of your country, and I will follow the religion of mine. I hope all will be well. And as for the gate that you talk of, all the world knows that is all the world knows that that it is a great way off of our country. I cannot think that any man in all our parts doth much as know the way to it, nor they nor need they matter whether they do or no, since we have, as you see, a fine, pleasant green lane that comes down from our country the next way into the way. It's like, yeah, we've all heard of the wicked gate, but there's no reason to go way out of our way to go through it. When Christian saw that the man was wise in his own conceit, he said to Hopeful, whisperingly, There is more hope of a fool than of him. And he said, moreover, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth, and he saith to every one that he is a fool. What? Shall we talk further with him, or outgo him at present, or so leave him to think of what he hath heard already, and then stop again for him afterwards, and see if it by degrees we can do any good to him? He's quoted a couple of references there. He says, Then said Hopeful, Let ignorance a little while now muse on what is said, and let him not refuse good counsel to embrace, lest he remain still ignorant of what's the chiefest gain. God saith that those that no understanding have, although he made them, them he will not save. Mm. It's a little uh, poem there, but it's very uh, powerful. The way of understanding. You see that through the Old Testament many times being referenced, the way of understanding. And the only way to get into the way of understanding is through Christ. 
He further added, It is not good, I think, to say all to him at once. Let us pass by him, if you will, and talk to him and on even as he is able to bear it. So they both went on in ignorance. He came after. Now when they had passed him a little way, they entered into a very dark lane, where they met a man whom seven devils had bound with the seven strong cords. This is a reference to Matthew 7, verse 45. And were carrying him back to the door that they saw on the side of the hill. That was, uh, what was the door on the side of the hill? That was where hypocrites, people like Ananias and Sapphira and Demas and Judas, they went to hell that way. That was the way hypocrites uh, went in. And so they see this, they entered into this dark lane where this man's being carried by seven devils back to this door. Now a good Christian began to tremble, and so did Hopeful, his companion. Yet as the devils led away the man, Christian looked to see if he knew him. He thought it might be one turnaway that dwelt in the land of apostasy. A turnaway there being his name. He says, but he did not perfectly see his face, for he did not hang his head like a thief that is found. For he did hang his head like a thief that is found. But being once passed, Hopeful looked after him and espied on his back a paper with this inscription, Wanton Professor and Damnable damnable Apostate. Ooh. We have a note here from the author. He says, Oh, beware of a light, trifling spirit and wanton behavior. It is often the forerunner of apostasy from God. It makes one tremble to hear those who profess to follow Christ in the regeneration crying, what harm is there in this game and the other diversion? They plainly discover what spirit they are got into. The warmth of love is gone, and they are become cold, dead, and carnal. Oh, how many instances of these abound. Then said Christian to his fellow, Now I call to remembrance that which was told me of a thing that happened to a good man hereabout. The name of the man was Little Faith. But a good man, and he dwelt in the town of Sincere. The thing was this. At the entering in at this passage, there comes down from Broadway Gate a lane called Dead Man's Lane, so called because of the murders that are commonly done there. And this little faith, going on pilgrimage as we do now, chanced to sit down there and sleep. Now there happened at that time to come down the lane from Broadway Gate three sturdy rogues, their names were Faint Heart, Mistrust, and Guilt. Three brothers. And they, espying little faith where he was, came galloping up with speed. Now the good man was just awakened from his sleep and was getting up to go on his journey. So they came up all to him. Guilt comes to this man of little faith, Faint Heart, and Mistrust. Uh, came up to him and with threatening language bid him stand. And this little faith looked up as white as a clout and had neither power to fight nor fly. Then said faint heart, Deliver thy purse. But he making no haste to do it, for he was loth to lose his money. Mistrust ran up to him and thrust in his hand into his pocket, pulled out thence a bag of silver. Then he cried out, Thieves! Thieves! And with that guilt, with a great club that was in his hand, struck little faith on the head, and with that blow felled him flat to the ground. Where he, lay, where he lay bleeding as one that would bleed to death. All this while the thieves stood by. 
But at last, hearing that somewhere upon the road, and fearing lest it should be one great grace that dwells in the town of good confidence, they betook themselves to their heels and left this good man to shift for himself. Now after a while, little faith came to himself and getting up made a shift to scramble on his way. This was the story. It's funny that... Funny, but I find it interesting. Faint heart, mistrust, and guilt. They're afraid of the great grace. And we have a note here from the author. He says, Where there is a faint heart in God's cause and mistrust of God's truths, there will be a guilt in the conscience and but little faith in the heart. And these rogues of mistrust, faint heart, and guilt will prevail over and rob such souls of the comforts of God's love and Christ's salvation. Oh, how many are overtaken by these in sleepy fits and careless frames and plundered. Learn to be wise from others' harms. And Hopeful uh, asked Krishna, he says, but did they take from him all that he ever he had? Krishna says, no, the place where his jewels were they, were they never ransacked, so those he kept still. But as I, told, as I was told, the good man was much afflicted for his loss, for the thieves got most of his spending money. That which, they, excuse me, that which they got not, as I said, were jewels. Also he had a little odd money left, but scarce enough to bring him to his journey's end. Nay, if, if I was not misinformed, he went forth to beg as he went to keep himself alive, for his jewels he might not sell. But beg and do what he could, he went, and as we say, with many a hungry belly, the most of the rest of the way. He's making a reference here to First Peter chapter 4 and verse 18. I'll pull that up because I don't know the reference that he's making. First Peter 4, 18. 4, 18, there we go. And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So he just this this man of little faith. I mean, he's gonna get to where he's going, but just barely. We have a note here from the author. He explains what these jewels are. He says, "By his jewels, we may understand these radical graces of the spirit: faith, hope, and love. His spending money is under understand." By his spending money, understand the sealing and earnest of the Spirit in his heart. Uh, this is a reference to 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 22. Of this divine assurance, the sense of the peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, he was robbed. So that though he still went on, the ways, went on in the ways of the Lord, yet he dragged on but heavily and uncomfortably. For though safe in Jesus, he, yet he was not happy in himself. Oh, how much evil and distress are brought upon us by neglecting to watch and pray. This is, a, this is a state that a true believer can find himself in. He, he's got faith, hope, and love, but I like how you put it, the spending money of the earnest of the Spirit in his heart. That's a reference to 1 Corinthians. Those are these kind of like the extra things that you kind of get given along the way to make it in the Christian life. He was robbed of those things because he neglected to watch and pray. One twenty-two. 
says, For the Jews require a sign. Am I in 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians. Man, I always get this wrong. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22. There we go. 2 Corinthians 1, 22 says, Now he that... He which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, and who hath sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. That earnest of the Spirit in his heart was, was understanding that sealing and understanding. It's kind of like that assurance. He was robbed of that assurance and the peace and the joy because of this guilt that he allowed in his life. Uh, which again was brought on by neglecting to watch and pray. That's as simple as it was. Helpful says, But is it not a wonder that they got not from him his certificate by which he was able to receive his admittance into the celestial gate? It is a wonder, said Christian, but they got not that, though they missed it not through any good cunning of his, for he being dismayed with their coming upon him had neither power nor skill to hide anything. So it was more by good providence then by his endeavor they missed of that good thing. Hope, hopeful replies, But it must needs be a comfort to him that they got not this jewel from him. We have a note here from the author. He says, What was this good thing? This is his precious faith, whose author, finisher, and object is the Lord Jesus Christ. And where he gives this precious gift of faith, though it be but little, even as a grain of a mustard seed, not all the powers of earth and hell can rob the heart of it. Christ prayed for his disciple that his faith should not fail or be totally lost. His disciples' faith. Therefore, though Peter lost his comforts for a season, yet he lost not his faith totally, nor his soul eternally. For Jesus, for says Jesus of his dear flock, yea, of those of little faith too, None shall pluck them out of my hand. And I love the fact that he, that Bunyan takes the time to make this clear that a lot of people hear this, hear many of these stories and go, well, well, does that mean people can lose what their salvation? No, no, that's not what it means. It just means that a person who professes to believe uh, that profession is is a that's all it is. It's just a profession. It's not something that's in the heart as well. But a person who does have faith, though it be little, and though they may not be able to go forward uh, as they should uh, with, with that comfort and love and joy that's supposed to abound, they still have it. And this is important for us to understand. You know, the I'm going to go ahead and uh, finish there because... Uh, this conversation continues. He continues to explore this this idea that what a what a Christian can go through in this journey and what he can stand to lose, uh, even though he has Christ and even though his faith is in Jesus Christ, he stands to lose um, the comforts that God brings if he neglects to watch and pray. And even worse, uh, for the person who has no faith, you know, to to be completely taken out of the way 
and be shown that they never were. They never came in through the gate like, like ignorance did. He thought, no, I'm fine. I'll, I, I don't need to uh, go through the gate. I live a good life. I do all the things I need to do. There's no reason for me to humble myself and go through this small, narrow gate. The narrow gate's so small, we can only go through if we're broken. Uh, without a broken and contrite heart, a, a man does not, is not able to fit through the gate. Uh, and that's something that we need to never forget that uh, this brokenness is something that uh, God brings when He reveals Himself and ourselves to ourselves. If uh, I hope that was helpful. I know I enjoyed reading through this. There's so much. I, I could have stopped halfway through this and just had enough to speak on when we look at ignorance. But now, having heard of this other man of little faith, uh, may we be very careful as tr- those of those who are true pilgrims, truly in the way, that we not become like this man of little faith, who ends up, uh, who ends up really becoming practically ineffective, because uh, he's he allowed himself to to not take it seriously. So, uh, well, thank God for His goodness. Thank God for God's great grace. So uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and end the broadcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are listening to the podcast, I want to say thank you for listening. And I'm going to go ahead and include my email in the podcast. So if you are listening to the podcast, I'd love to hear from you um, and just hear any type of encourage, uh, encouraging notes or uh, thoughts. I'd love to hear feedback because this book, many people look over and think, oh, I'm fine. I don't need to read that. And then... He begins talking about certain portions of it. They're like, you know what? This book seems actually pretty relatable. It's an old book, but it's pretty relatable. Every one of these stories is something that relates to the pilgrimage, the journey. So anyways, thanks again for watching, guys. I hope you all have a great weekend. And keep your eyes on the Lord.